0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Economy Day Unplugged on Tuesday the 18th of August 2020. Mark Pender is across the pond stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London. The UK last week joined the ever expanding list of countries officially in technical recession. So at least Canada is the only member of a G7 block of the industrialized nations to avoided the big R. But that's only because its second quarter GDP report is not due until the 28th of August, as this will inevitably also show a second consecutive and record contraction in total output. All of which will make for the first G7 recession since the third quarter of 2008 at that time the bloc's gdp declined a relatively mild 4.9 percent over three quarters this time around the downturn may be a little shorter but it will still probably be almost three times as steep and covid 19 isn't just messing around with the global economy it's also interfering with politics and just yesterday the new zealand government announced that it would delay its general elections due on the 19th of september for a month due to safety concerns and am talking of elections. The U.S. presidential vote is rapidly approaching. So, Mark, which side do you think the latest economic statistics are favoring?
1: Wow. Uh, uh, favoring. Um, uh, we don't make it, t- make it too <laughs> easy for you. That's, you yeah, that's a difficult question. Um, uh, the, the well, let's just break down and maybe you can help me answer that question. Um, the uh, the U.S. economy, uh, let's start off with the labor market, um, there's still super uh, elevated levels of uh, unemployment claims. Uh, they did come down under a million, but that's five times uh, <laughs> what it was before um, the virus. And uh, continuing claims are in the, in the 15 million range, uh, and that's um, know, uh, versus about uh, just over 1 million. Um, going into the troubles. Um, So, uh, and the, uh, even though we've had growth in employment, like we saw in July, uh, as far as, um, you know, people uh, entering the workforce again, um, that improvement has slowed. Uh, Now, demographically, or uh, by um, income, The group that is most being affected by unemployment in the U.S. are the lower income group by far. The uh, higher income group is um, doing very well, and that's been underscored just this morning with housing starts and permits. I mean, they're already – permits already uh, uh, have fully recovered. Uh, Starts have, uh, have just about recovered. Um, home builders in yesterday's housing market index have, you know, record levels of enthusiasm. And this is due to uh, low uh, mortgage rates, uh, high levels of employment among higher wage groups, and, of course, the stock market rally. Now, this is – these factors are are uh, much less of a plus for the, uh, the lower income. Now, um, how that – Uh, breaks down between Democrats and Republicans now is um, uh, something, a difficult question. Traditionally, of course, um, the Republicans are the uh, business party and the Democrats are the, uh, the Labour Party, as it were, um, but that has changed and uh, that's in flux. So
0: um, I'm going to have to touch that question. Right, let, yes, me, let me let me <laughs> just, let me try and sort of put a sort of broad umbrella about this. Okay. I suppose it's kind of kind of where I'm coming from. I suppose the, the big question is, I guess, is it's this case of levels versus changes, isn't it? So is it the case? I mean, you could do it from, a suppose, from your political standpoint or an, indeed an investor standpoint. What's more important? is it more important the fact that we are now starting to get some fairly decent large percentage changes in the economic numbers that you want to see growing or is it more important that despite the fact we've had some decent growth rates we still see sizable shortfalls versus where we were back in Feb- February time. So I mean if you look at the employment data your side you've had some mm-hmm. soft and great increase in payrolls. Mm-hmm. But you're still talking. Oh, I don't know what the number is, but you know you're talking about talking about a level of employment which is well below where it was before. and mm-hmm, Unemployment yeah. much higher. So mm-hmm. is it the level that matters or the change? How does how's how's the media selling it over there? Um, uh,
1: you know I I think the general media. I, you know I I don't want to get down on them too much, but uh, I think they they grab whatever hook that they can and uh the something like a, a gargantuan monthly change um would allow them to overstate um you know the uh, the beginning the headlines and the lead uh, leads to their stories right. and you know kind of sensationalize it i'm not sure really how much of an influence that has on the general public i have always been surprised over the years that um, the general public does seem to respond to the employment report and s- does seem to um, uh, project its own or create its own or establish its own assessment and outlook for the economy based on that labor market report, which in turn is, uh, you know, delivered mostly um, by the media. But, um, to, OK, so let's look at consumer sentiment as a as a possible Bro, age. Yeah. Yeah, to your uh, question. Now that came out um, uh, on Friday last week from the University of Michigan, and it's flat. I mean, it has not recovered. Now, this is in contrast to retail sales, um, which were also released last Friday for July. They have they recovered in June, actually to the level that they were, a little bit beyond the level that they were in February. Now, but this is a function of government. Um, stimulus uh, and unemployment benefits. Now those are coming off the table. Uh, some of them are being uh, the Trump administration has uh, tried to reestablish some of these. But if these do go off the table, uh, the lower income folks are going to be, uh, uh, you know, increasingly unsettled in the months ahead. So, uh, but whether or not that favors the Republicans in today's uh, uh, demographics uh, or the Democrats, I can't say. Um, but, uh, and and we were also talking about levels of uh, industrial production. U S industrial production was also released Friday and unlike retail sales, it has not come back to its, uh, just about 10% below where it was in February. And that's a function, uh, in part of the, uh, export markets, which have, um, have not bounced back. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, Uh, Are these, uh, where is the U.S. economy? Uh, It's, you know, kind of in limbo, certainly, without these uh, new uh, stimulus measures. Um, But there is, you know, uh, we also saw a little inflation last week, just to uh, change gears a little bit, Uh, and the consumer uh, readings on inflation expectations are actually a little elevated. Uh, Other readings appear to have bottomed. Um, so that's probably a favorable sign that the worst uh, may be over. Um, and for the Federal Reserve, I'm not sure what they where they're standing. They're at maximum stimulus, and they're going to need to see, inflation aside, they're going to need to see an improvement in employment. Um, but perhaps uh, the, uh, how the infection unfolds here in the U.S., it's slowed over the last week or two. And if it continues to slow, and the U.S. Uh, production – um, and and consumption uh, learn to deal with the social distancing and those requirements that, that are, are necessary to keep uh, the virus low um, the economy could pick up in a, in a um, more significant or uh, uh, predictable way um, but uh, that is a little bit up in the air right now of course but what is but but I was just getting back to the housing market if you own a house uh you're looking pretty good right now. Uh, the value of your home is going up. There's a strong demand. Never really seen such strong demand in, in the new in the new home market. No, not since the uh, the subprime uh, bubble collapse uh, a dozen years ago. Uh, so it's a it's a, a mixed picture. And how the economy plays in the election, whether it will be highlighted as the chief uh, – however important it is, it may not be the, the most critical uh, element behind the election. Um, so I'm going to have to – like I say, I'm going to have to step back on that.
0: Fair enough. Not an easy one to answer. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting from the housing market, your side, bouncing back. We've seen some early indications of that in Europe, particularly in the UK as well, where we've had some fairly sharp increases in uh, in house prices, and even the Bank of England, in their last monetary policy report, were kind of intimating that they see the level of activity in UK housing now being almost back to where it was um, prior to the lockdown. Um, and that's also, of course, true of retail sales, both in the UK and the eurozone. But similar as you mentioned mentioned it's kind of still the production side which is lagging so we had the uh, from eurozone we had the June industrial production figures last week uh, again you know a month-on-month figure which looks really healthy because up 9.1 percent uh, and that was after 12.3 percent last time but that was still a little bit less than expected and crucially and this goes back to this levels argument again it leaves a, what an 11 percentage point gap versus where it was before the before the crisis uh, began. Mm-hmm so we still have this you know kind of recovery and output lagging what's happening in demand and, uh, and also i think certainly true from we see from the german numbers as you're intimating the u.s part mm-hmm. of the whole layer really is due to just the you know the slow recovery we're seeing at the moment in terms of the export markets mm-hmm. and uh and most of those particularly for europe have got a long way to go
1: but there haven't been any political ramifications yet in europe from uh, or uh, that we can identify have we that's favoring one side uh, the right or the left uh on how Europe is dealing with uh, uh, only, the virus? Only
0: to, only to the extent I'll say going back to this so increasingly infamous, I suppose, almost this, this rescue resolution fund that you know, the EU is still trying to, to fully sort out. If you remember, we go back, well, was it was a few weeks ago now that the leaders actually agreed on this new rescue fund, but it has to be passed through all the, all the individual national parliaments, so all EU members. And it sounds as if we're starting to get some renewed problems coming out of this so-called or fiscal, uh, sorry, frugal four, I should say. I thought, I thought they they agreed to the deal. Well they did this well they did, the leaders did, but they still gotta get it through their parliaments. And I think now this was kind of like, you know, the big broad brush picture. Okay, yes, we'll do that. Now what they're trying to sort out is some of the nitty gritty and the details of this of, of this package. And basically, you know, the real bottom line stuff of who's gonna to have to cough up and who's gonna be and who's gonna be the winners. And I think some of the you know some member countries now are starting to think, Well hang about, I'm not too happy about the way this is shaping up at the moment. So it remains the case that uh, um, you know, this thing is going to be delivered I assume it will be delivered but only quite slowly which goes us back as we talked before about keeping the emphasis of a stimulus on the ECB but what it also means is that going back to the political side of it is it's been countries like Spain and Italy and perhaps a slightly lesser extent this time Greece which have been hit really hard by the by the COVID-19 crisis where you've started to see some bubblings of the old you know, nationalism or more right wing movement uh, which is not good news for you know, the overall political integration integration of the eurozone as a whole. Um, Italy has always been one of the potential stumbling blocks and a, a potential problem for eurozone harmony you know, right across the board. Um, and we have seen again these issues starting to rise, whereby you know, the more populist parts of the Italian political spectrum who have been saying well look we've had this problem You know, where's the help coming from all our Eurozone partners so if they can't get this package sorted out in good time mm-hmm. you know the net of it could be that it certainly won't be politically good news as far as the euro's concerned because you know investors want to see a bigger shell of harmony than they've had so far and this really ought to be just about the perfect opportunity for them to do that.
1: Well how slow is slow now uh, to get this uh- uh, rescue fund uh, actually in place and, and delivery.
0: Well, it's hard to tell because they're still. I think, as I understand it, they're still doing some negotiations on the details. So it looks as if we're, we're into August. So it's unlikely, I suppose, we'll get anything coming through until September. And even then, it may well come through in dribs and drabs. Because I mean, hmm. it's a big, it's a big piece of expenditure, but expenditure. But again, it'll probably be delivered relatively slowly.
1: Well, so, now, how are the different countries? um Let's just talk about uh, uh, Germany uh, first. How are they uh, extending uh, benefits to the um, to uh, to, uh, to workers?
0: Well, they're getting towards the stage now whereby um, some of their support measures will will come to an end. I think they've still got another six months or, go, so, or so to go, something like that. But already they're starting to begin to phase phase some of these out. And so it's a question of whether or not we're going to see you know a, a, an extension of what's there already, or they're going to introduce some kind of plan. But there is still support at the moment, but I'm pretty sure it's actually starting to be phased out. France have just extended; they've introduced a, a new package package, which comes into effect, I think, uh, almost immediately now, um, which will effectively improve and make more flexible the kind of support measures they, ha- they already had in place. Um, for the u- likes of the UK, um, officially the um, the job retention scheme, as it's called over here, that is expected or, or timetable to end at the end of October. But again, there's talk here that, well, look, you know, think about what th- what's this going to do to unemployment. Mm-hmm. So there's inevitably pressure on the government again to do something. So I'm
1: sorry. What's the primary layer of um, support? Is it at the individual uh, national uh, budgets and governments? And and where does the EU Rescue Fund? Is that another layer?
0: Well, yeah, the EU Rescue Fund will come out of the, the overall EU budget into which you know the various members pay. but yes, because this process has taken so long, uh, by far and away, the main support for the Euro- European nations during recovery process has come from the individual nations themselves. So Germany, which essentially just you know, ended its, its its debt break, which prevents its um, budget deficit from going much above one percent or so. It jettisoned that well months ago now, um, and if, and the growth and stability pact laid down by the EU Commission, which puts an overall limit on the public sector deficit, or the budget deficit, I should say, for the eurozone of three percent. That was also jettisoned, and it's really allowed individual nations to go out and just you know borrow and spend willy nilly. So the numbers in Germany are talking about a huge fiscal stimulus, which is gone through there off the top of my head it's 15% plus of GDP it might even be more than that and you've had perhaps not quite as much as that but France has done a lot Italy's done a lot Spain's done a lot so by far and the way it's been and again it's not supposed to be like this it's been individual countries looking after themselves rather than the idea of this overall Eurozone or European Union umbrella making Mm -hmm. sure that everybody looks after everybody else Mm -hmm. and it's just this ongoing fundamental problem facing you know facing the Eurozone at the moment w- Having what's se- the next set election when are the next uh, big elections here? uh well the next big way are they that will be next year where well, oh, it's october time when we'll get the german elections it's
1: quite a far away
0: then oh it is at, the, at this stage and we're in the relatively quiet period as far as uh, elections go which is you know probably no bad thing for existing governments, since you know clearly everyone's going to struggle in this kind of environment um well, I I suppose I should mention mentioned at the start of the intro that you know, the UK falling into recession uh, means that we got sort of six out of a seven g seven countries now in technical recession. But it's probably worthwhile pointing out just how bad the the numbers were in the UK. Um second quarter US GDP. Remind me, was down how much? Oh, on an annualized uh,
1: it was uh, <laughs> nine, nine, <laughs> 35. Hey, God, here, No, let me see. Can, I'm, on, I'm going on my, my EconiDate count, my trusty EconiDate yeah, count. No, we
0: can't, can't go and, on, Willa.
1: And it just takes a second here, and there I'm at, and I can tell you that uh, the first estimate for U.S. GDP was at a 32.9% rate of contraction, which uh, – it's a pretty stunning rate of contraction with uh, consumer uh, spending at 34.6 uh, in, in contraction. But that's all going to, uh, at least on the retail side, which is a third of the consumer spending, is going to right. rebound very right. very strongly. So,
0: well, so that uh, compares with the UK on, so on a season-adjusted annualized basis, so you know, equivalent to uh, where the US figures are put together. UK was down just shy of 60% shows just and that's you know easily the biggest hit we've had so your
1: uk contraction was double the rate of contraction as the u.s
0: it was i mean typically speaking in the eurozone you've seen declines of an annualized rate of i suppose around about well actually probably not too far off the u.s you know sort of 30 35 percent type thing some are some are a bit less you know some are a bit more but the uk is for for all the wrong reasons has been the standout country during this downswing which has completely and utterly underperformed all the other EU countries which have actually supplied the data so far and, is and that because of consumer spending well yeah consumer spending was absolutely down the tubes but I mean there's been a lot of question marks as to you know why should the UK have underperformed so far and I think to be honest at this stage and of course it's got to be said that all these numbers are very tentative because revisions going about mm-hmm. here there and everywhere currently mm-hmm. but as they stand I mean, it does seem that and compared to I don't know so much your side but with the Compared to the rest of the Eurozone, you know the service sector, which was completely clobbered uh, right across Europe, you know, shut down. No one was allowed to go to shops anymore. All this sort of stuff. All the service side went went down the proverbial pan. Um, yeah, that's about 80% of a UK economy. Whereas in the likes of the Eurozone on average, it's around about 73% or so. Mm -hmm. So some of the factories were continuing to work. So we didn't see industrial production being hit as hard and so on. So that would sort of lend itself towards a steeper hit in the UK. Um, but I think the sense that perhaps for so short well, that the measures introduced to combat the virus in the UK um, were too slow actually being brought in. Mm. Um, which has meant that, you know, probably when they were brought in they had to be you know more complete, lasted longer, and so it's led to a steeper downturn. I mean at, at this mm. stage perhaps, we really don't know, but it's quite interesting that you know, the UK has performed so badly. And I suppose one of the key questions about this is as you say, you know, you start and get good numbers coming through for May and for June. And that's true, I think, pretty well wherever you look now. But it's things like when you look at UK um, investment um, quarter on quarter. So this is an annualized, just a straight European style quarter on quarter. Business investment in the UK fell over 31 percent in the second quarter. Now, the question mark is how much of that is going to be made back because it 's the investment side which really determines you know what the long term productive outlook is going to be, and if that 's not going to be made back then necessarily you know the u k simply will not be growing as quickly in the future as it would have done you know without the impact of the virus. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how what happens as we go forward. Um, what else I should mention for UK side? Well, really, it's just, I suppose, a good old Brexit talks, which resumed this week. But don't hold your breath. Um, it looks as if there's still plenty of brinkmanship going on there. And in terms of the numbers, it's really quite a quiet period for uh, for European data in general. But of course, we will get the PMI figures or flash PMI figures, I should mention, uh, for August they're due out on Friday. Um, they're expected to show well. Uh, we've got a headline composite output index for the eurozone at 54.7. That'd be just well, effectively unchanged from the final 54.8 reading we had in July. But you know, taken at face value, at normal times that would look a decent figure. But yeah, when maybe, you, yes. yeah but when your calm has imploded so much, of course, you need numbers really 60, 60, 60% plus, rather mm-hmm. than numbers around this sort of level. So again, it suggests that yes, recovery is on. Well, it's on track, but it's on a. Slow track, rather than being in the being in the fast line.
1: Well, you know, speaking of the PMIs, real uh, quickly, uh, the U.S. Uh, this is market economics and their samples. Um, mm-hmm. They're uh, very um, uh, mod- modest. I mean, uh, they're a, a, a little bit over 50. Um, in contrast to the Institute for Supply Management, which has been doing this for a hundred years, and uh, they're already where you're talking about in the mid '60s uh, for things like new orders, and, and, and it's mm, just shocking that yeah that you could have this kind of separation between two um, you know uh, the, these are highly capitalized survey uh, uh, institutes, and um, and and their and their samples are telling them one is an, uh, is a you know a robust. Bursting strength, whether it's services or manufacturing, and the other is uh, completely subdued. So, I guess as an investor or an, a, an economist, you, you, I guess you take the middle ground.
0: Well, as, and, I mean, can I ask you the obvious question? I suppose is now is there, is there a clear reason why one says that much stronger than the other in terms of the composition, or or yeah. anything we know as to why that might be?
1: Well, this is all speculation because the compositions are proprietary to uh, proprietary to these. Uh, to these, uh, f- um, survey, uh, firms. So you can't actually find out, um, you know, are they surveying the, the, the deli down the street or are they right. surveying, you know, uh, you know, general motors, right. you know, buying you know cobalt yeah. or whatever it is. Well, so that's what gets me to the ISM. Now they have a, a, a very, uh, long tradition of, um, and a, um uh, uh a professional um uh, uh, sense among the purchasers of, of doing a civic duty um mm-hmm. and purchasers being at the kind of the front lines of economic change, that's why they were kind of selected to to help out um and, and to find out the direction, month to month direction of activity. So um uh Is it a question of big firms, uh, one sample having a lot of big firms, one sample having a lot of small firms, and and that may have something to do with it? Um, Is it a question of sample sizes? They won't tell you their sample sizes, but it's, you know, and not everyone always answers the the questionnaires. So actually, you know, surprisingly, uh, it's not – you know it's maybe a two-thirds answer it um so you don't know if 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 these are being the questions that you're asking um and uh but if you take the idea that uh, everyone is in the same boat even the delhi and gm we're Mm -hmm. all you know basically in the same boat you know sooner or later uh that um Uh, You know, it's a little bit of a mystery with the economic indicators and the economic data when it comes to these uh, PMI surveys. And uh, you can't really say you can take it with a grain of salt, but that's certainly much more than a grain of salt. And certainly the markets, the financial markets, whether it's currencies or stocks, take uh, take very close notice of these numbers, uh, the ISM numbers in the U.S. So... uh, you know, I, that's why I say you, you probably should uh, split the difference. But we also had another uh, um, uh, survey this uh, yesterday, the Empire State survey, and this is produced by the New York Fed. This asks a question of, of roughly 100, not necessarily purchasers, but also CEOs and uh, people in the know. And uh, they're doing a W, uh, not a V recovery. They already did the V part. Now they're doing a W part. So, I mean, they came back to well, basically no change from their, um, uh, no continued um, uh, improvement. So uh-huh. that raises the risk of a W uh, recovery, at least the question that we haven't really talked about. We've been talking about a U recovery or a V recovery. But there is a possibility that this will run out of gas, especially if things like In uh, infections take off
0: Definitely Or there's
1: questions of uh, You know Unemployment insurance Going off the board Those kinds of things You
0: pay your money, you take your choice. Okay, Um, I guess we should think about rounding this off. Um, Since we've been chatting for a bit of a while, um, I should quickly mention the context of recession. Uh, Japan, their second quarter GDP numbers came out as well. Uh, That was down 7.8% on a quarter on quarter basis, or what's that, almost minus 28% uh, on an annualized rate. Um, That was their third consecutive decline. So, I mean, Japan was already in technical recession in the first place. And also of note, sometimes, sometimes, you know, Regarded as being sort of the leading indicators of the central banking world. Uh, The Reserve Bank of New Zealand last Tuesday they announced no change in their official cash rate at 0.25% which was in line with market expectations but in contrast to um, the call for no change on quantitative easing they raised the ceiling there from uh, 60 billion New Zealand dollars up to 100 billion and at least from a market perspective as important that they indicated that preparing a package which would include negative interest rates as well as a new funding for lending program if things start to turn sour again. So potentially at least it could be um, we could be seeing interest rates in New Zealand joining the the club of countries where rates are already sub zero. Okay then, so that's it for this week. Um, I guess low, if not negative interest rates typically remains the order of the day. But I did notice that if you fancy something offering a rather higher rate of return, you could always try the Democratic Republic of Congo, where the central bank has just raised its benchmark rate from seven and a half percent to fully 18.5 percent. Get it while you can. Mm-hmm. From Mark and myself, thanks as always for listening. Please do tune in next time. And meanwhile, keep up to date with all the key market moving data and events in O'Connor global economic calendar. Stay safe. Bye for now.